We began our study of Paul's letter to the Romans two weeks ago and noted that it is a life-changing letter. But before a letter can change anyone's life, they have to be convinced that their life needs changing. So Paul begins the body of his letter by demonstrating that both the unrighteous and the self-righteous need to be changed. And he makes it clear that apart from the righteousness of God, the righteousness that was made available by the coming of his Son to earth, everyone is either unrighteous or self-righteous. In other words, Paul is going to get us good and lost before he's going to show us how to be saved. He's going to overwhelm us with bad news before he tells us the good news. He's going to tell us how and why the wrath of God was revealed from heaven before his love was revealed in Bethlehem. He begins with a look at the unrighteous, showing how they suppress truth, believe lies, and worship creatures. In two weeks, we'll see the shocking behavior that comes from their refusal to believe and to obey God. We begin by noting that the unrighteous suppress truth. We're in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The wrath of God. That's a scary thought. But I want you to keep it on hold for a couple of weeks. We're not going to get into the wrath of God this morning, and I really don't want to preach about the wrath of God on the Sunday before Christmas. So next week, we're going to take a break from Romans and look again at the good news that was revealed from heaven to the shepherds before we get back to the bad news. But in two weeks, we are going to take a hard look at the wrath of God and how it was and is being revealed from heaven. This morning, we're simply going to focus on the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men that stirs up the wrath of God. Ungodliness is thinking and behavior that reflects a rejection of God, and unrighteousness is simply thinking and behavior That's not right. And one is obviously tied to the other. A man becomes unrighteous by choosing to be ungodly, by dismissing God. And that's not easy to do. 
You know, it takes a conscious effort to suppress the truth about God because that which is known about God is evident within us. God has made it evident to us. Did you get that? God has made himself known to every man. He has placed within the heart of every man a God consciousness, or as the writer of Ecclesiastes put it, God has set eternity in our hearts. In fact, a fascinating book by Don Richardson is actually entitled Eternity in Their Hearts. In it, he gives numerous accounts of missionaries arriving in pagan lands only to discover that the Spirit of God had arrived first and that God had given the people a basic understanding of himself and had prepared them for the gospel message. Bruce Olson, a missionary to the Modalone Indians of South America, has an amazing story in his book, Bruchko, that beautifully illustrates this truth. He writes, Here were the Modalones in a search for God. But how could I explain things like grace, sacrifice, and the incarnation? I could tell a simple story and they would understand, but how could I communicate real spiritual truth? A lively discussion started. The man who had been in the trees came down and joined us. He reminded us of the legend about the prophet who would come carrying banana stalks and that God would come out of those stalks. I couldn't quite understand the idea behind the legend. Why look for God to come out of a banana stalk, I asked. There was puzzled silence. It made sense to them, but they couldn't explain it. Bobby walked over to a banana tree which was growing nearby. He cut off a section and tossed it toward us. This is the kind of banana stalk God can come from, he said. It was a cross section from the stalk. It rolled at our feet. One of the motolones reached down and swatted at it with his machete, accidentally splitting it in half. One half stood up while the other half split off. Leaves that were still inside the stalk, waiting to develop and come out, started peeling off. As they lay at the base of the stalk, they looked like pages from a book. Suddenly, a word raced through my mind, book, book. I grabbed up my pack and took out my Bible. I opened it. Flipping through the pages, I held it toward the men. I pointed to the leaves from the banana stalk, then back to the Bible. This is it, I said. I have it here. This is God's banana stalk. What an amazing picture of God preparing a culture for the coming of the gospel through legends that they had shared for years. God makes himself known. And he prepares hearts to receive his word. I think this was also powerfully demonstrated in the life of Helen Keller. Helen Keller 
was both blind and deaf. And you would assume she was in total darkness about religious things. But when Annie Sullivan decided it was time to teach her about God and brought Dr. Phillips Brooks to talk to her, with Annie translating through finger pressure, Helen's face lit up and she signed, Oh, I know him. I've known him a long, long time. Now, she didn't know everything there is to know about God, and she didn't know about Jesus, his coming, and his death for her on the cross. But she had an awareness of God. She knew that God existed. Everyone knows that. Because God has planted that knowledge in every man's heart. And not only that, he has revealed his invisible attributes through that which is visible. Creation tells us much about the creator. Again, it doesn't tell us everything, but it does testify as to God's eternal power and his divine nature. His power can be clearly seen in nature, in his creation. And the people of Taylorville were given a glimpse of that power in a tornado a couple weeks ago. And even unbelievers refer to tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes as acts of God. Now, I really don't like to call them that. I'm convinced they're more the acts of Satan than the act of God. God is the one who holds everything together. Satan is the one who seeks to destroy. But things we see in nature certainly do demonstrate the fact that there is something more powerful than man out there. And the more we look into nature, the more clearly we see the hand of God. As the psalmist said, the heavens Declare the glory of God. And for someone to look into a star-filled sky or to examine the delicate design of an orchid or to witness the birth of a child and not understand something of the nature of God is beyond comprehension. Unless that person is intentionally seeking to suppress the truth. Unless that person doesn't want to see the hand of God. And that's exactly what the ungodly seek to do. They don't want to believe there's a creator to whom they are accountable. So they suppress the truth in unrighteousness and choose to believe lies. For even though they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. As Paul puts it in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They didn't want to believe. They knew God from what theologians refer to as general revelation, revelation that comes from nature and from within man himself. 
They may not have had the special revelation that comes from God's word. Not everyone has that. And it's obviously our job to get that word out. But everyone has received general revelation about God. And everyone knows enough to honor him as God and to give thanks. But the unrighteous choose not to do so. They suppress the truth. They refuse to acknowledge God. They don't want a creator, so they are forced to speculate about their origin or the origin of the world. They speculate what is has always been or speculate it evolved out of nothing on its own. Neither speculation makes any sense. But it's the best they can do without God. If they're going to suppress the truth, they have to believe a lie. So they convince themselves they're right and their foolish hearts become darkened. They can no longer see the truth, even when it stares them in the face. That's why an abortionist can admit an unborn child is human, but deny it's a person made in the image of God. He believes a lie. The unrighteous exchange the obvious truth of God for an intentional lie. Professing to be wise, they become fools. And then, since they deny the existence of a creator, they worship creatures. <laughs> Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Man was made to worship. God has placed within all men the need to worship, a consciousness of God. So if man in his ungodliness and unrighteousness chooses not to worship God, the creator, he begins worshiping creatures, the creation. That can be readily seen in pagan cultures and their idols, their images, made in the form of man or birds or animals or crawling creatures. It can also be seen in our modern society. We may not carve gods in stone, but the unrighteous still worship man and other creatures. From secular humanism to the worship of teen idols and athletes and movie stars, we see man being worshipped today. And we see birds and animals being worshipped as well. You know, most of you know that I was a falconer for 25 years, and I thoroughly enjoyed hunting with hawks and falcons. I did not, however, allow falconry to become a way of life that most falconers claimed it had to be. 
Even as an officer and director of the North American Falconers Association, I made sure other falconers knew that falconry was not the most important thing in my life. And it broke my heart to see falconers sacrifice their marriages and their children on the altar of a bird god. Others do the same with dogs or cats or reptiles. With nearly $70 billion spent in America on pet care in 2017, I'm certain many spent more on their pets than they gave to the kingdom of God. That may not be considered idolatry, but it certainly indicates misplaced priorities. And whatever we put first in our life is our God. We may not worship images of men or animals today, but the unrighteous do worship and serve creatures. And in two weeks, we're going to see what happens when men worship the creation rather than the creator. And I think you'll find it shocking. But for now, I want us to simply understand what it is that the unrighteous believe and how their beliefs progress from suppressing the truth to believing a lie to worshiping themselves and the rest of creation. And I want you to take special note of something else Paul said in in verse 20. They are without excuse. Now, what does that mean? It means the ungodly and the unrighteous have no excuse for their lack of belief or their behavior. They can't blame anyone but themselves. They can't say, but I didn't know any better. They can't cry, no fair, when God condemns them for their unrighteousness. And this answers the question about the proverbial native who has never heard the gospel. What will happen to him? He will be condemned. Not because he has rejected the gospel, he never heard the gospel, but because he rejected what knowledge of God he did have. He chose to ignore that which is evident about God in nature. And he chose to violate the God-given sense of right and wrong that God has placed within the heart of every man. Though he knew God, he did not honor him as God or give thanks. So what about us? What about you? This morning, what have you done with the knowledge of God you have been given? You know, most most of us have had the opportunity to learn of God from the special revelation that's been given to us, as well as the general revelation that is within us and all around us. And next week, we're going to celebrate again the gift of God that was revealed from heaven that first Christmas. But what have we done 
with all that has been revealed to us. Have we been changed by it? Has it brought us out of bondage, sorrow, and night? I pray that it has. And if it hasn't, now is the time to honor him as God and give thanks. Now is the time to say, out of my sin and into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. Let's stand.